Hello, my name is Marshall Schenk, and this is the Proven Men Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you, brought to us by the White Heart Cafe, where community happens over coffee. The White Heart Cafe is all about fostering a, welcome, a welcoming culture of love, equality, and development through exceptional quality product and customer service experience. So stop in today and grab some amazing coffee with even better conversation. So today we're going to talk about um, why morality matters, even when others are not affected. And this was... Um, this is a topic that's been stirring in my heart recently through uh, reading Mere Christianity uh, and, and walking through the different um, the different reasons for morality that C.S. Lewis presents there, as well as a video that I saw um, kind of detailing where our culture is at today, struggling with this conversation of uh, morality and absolute truth. Um, and so we want to I want to share that with you now. This is a video from Tucker Carlson's interview uh, with Kathy Oreu, I think her name is, um, on Tucker Carlson tonight. It's about a white male, white middle-aged man, male, who um, is now identifying as a Filipino woman. Um, and Tucker and her are going to battle over the idea of why, why this is okay in her perspective and why it's not okay in Tucker's perspective. So let's take a look real quick uh, at that. If a white man can become a Filipino woman simply right. by saying so, then could I become, I don't know, a successful hedge fund manager or an NBA star? Absolutely. Or? According to Jadu, which is uh, her name, it's what's uh -huh. on the inside that counts, not what's on the outside. So there's a, a growing movement. There's many people that are now identifying themselves as the other gender and as another um, culture or race or ethnicity. So, uh, but so, but does, I mean, this would entail some kind of like power shifts here a little bit. So like if I were hoping to take advantage of like a college, a college admissions program, could I change for the purposes of that? I'm, I'm not quite sure how it actually would work for college admissions. I mean, I, I haven't heard of a case, but it sounds like it's, it's accepted. It sounds like it's um, okay. And Jadu is not hurting anyone. Jadu is fine. Uh, if these people want to be well, who they no, want to be, I'm not, that's look, fine. Look, I'm not attacking Jadu. So, um, Pretty striking, I thought. So uh, with me today to discuss this topic is Chad Giles, who is one of my good buddies um, and better known as Whaler, right? Please. Yeah. Call so, me Whaler. Call me Whaler. Yeah. So um, Chad is the founder of Soul Rights, which is... You just is... did it. You, you just did it. We're not even three seconds Chad. in. <laughs> did I call you Chad? You did. I'm yeah. sorry. I saw it on the page. Yeah. Whaler is the founder of Soul Rights Ministry, uh, which is an Inverchurch ministry um, that's working towards ecumenism through the revitalization of the spiritual disciplines. Um, so, Whaler, uh, I guess we can start. Why, in your opinion, why does morality matter even when others are not affected? Uh, yeah, well, I think at the bottom of it, there's really no such thing as a victimless crime or a victimless sin. I think that all of our actions necessarily affect virtually everybody in the entire world and definitely people that we come in direct contact with. And so the idea that there is such a thing as morality that has no bearing on somebody else, I don't think there's any act or any thought that we can have that is insulated. Hmm. I don't think it exists. And so you guys doing what you do, we, we use pornography as a thought experiment. 
And especially nowadays, the thing that's remarkably different in the last 20 years is the privacy of pornography. Mm -hmm. It used to be in the 90s and before you had to know what side of town to go to, where there was going to be a newsstand, and if you were there at the right hour, you could ask the guy. You had to go and make a transaction. Right. You had to drive somewhere, you had to purchase the product, somebody had to see your face. Now you click on something, you download it, you have a subscription, however you go with it, and you're in the quiet of your little dark corner. Mm-hmm. And as far as you're concerned, nobody, nobody's any the wiser. However, that habit is still malforming to your character. And even if, and we'll just entertain the possibility that somebody is using nothing but legal okay porn, which I don't think there's any such thing as that. But, you know, let's say they're staying away from the gross stuff, the illicit stuff, the mm-hmm. underage, all that. Yeah. Even for that, the habit of pornography is changing the way they imagine the world. It's changing the way they view women. Or if it's women engaged in pornography, it's changing the way they see the world, the way they see men or women. Whatever their appetite is, they're dehumanizing themselves mm-hmm. with every single one of those acts. And if a husband is using pornography in secret, he's not husbanding his family. Mm. He's not loving his wife. He's not being an exemplar of a man to his kids. Mm. He's injuring all of them by the things he's doing to himself. Right. He's cannibalizing himself. Mm. And that is affecting the people that are in his life. Yeah. And yeah. so the idea that he can do this, that he can engage in, in a very gross manifestation of lust and nobody's affected by that because he's masturbating in private, no, right. that act is injuring everybody in his life. Yeah, and I think you see that in that video of Tucker Carlson. If you Have you seen it? Have you not seen it? No. Okay, well, he makes the point, the argument that, okay, what if this Filipino woman decides to go to college and is affected in, like, and that man who is identifying as a Filipino woman is chosen over, like, it's not just enough for him to just say, well, this is how I identify. Well, there's benefits for Filipino women within the college sphere. Um, yeah, but if not, what then? And I think that's the kind of the conversation exactly that we're having, especially around pornography with proven men. Um, I think it's really easy to identify. Uh, I mean, I, when I was a husband using pornography, how much, how terrible of a husband I was. Not just for the very fact, I mean, alone in the very fact that I was um, emotionally cheating on my wife, according to Jesus, having an affair against her with these women on a screen. Yeah. But even further than that, how I interacted with her uh, was almost damning. And I think you see C.S. Lewis said that in Mere Christianity. He talks about morality in three parts, kind of like a ship going down and sailing in the sea, right? You, If, if your ship is in order, uh, your ship, your personal ship has to be in order. The engines have to be running. You have to be heading in a direction. Um, secondly, the ships in the, um, in the sea can't run into each other, right? Which is this concept of... Um, making sure that everybody's ship is running, right? So the culture would say, as long as my ship's running, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as I'm not running anybody else, we're set. And but the reality of it is, is if your ship's not, if your personal ship's not in good order, then it, that thing will occur. And if you are running into other people, um, you know, this idea of relative morality, people affecting other people, um, then it will have an effect on your own individual self as well, your own individual ship. Yeah, well, staying within that metaphor, even if you play out an almost idealistic scenario for sin, or let's say somebody practices a really bizarre kind of self-control where they feed this lustful appetite 
with their sexual addiction, but they manage to be polite and well-mannered with people. Hmm. And so let's say something like that exists in the ship analogy, even if they never collide with someone, their ship is still necessarily polluting the waters. Hmm. Yeah, if they are mishandling oil. their hmm. ship, their vessel is polluting the ocean. And then once it's out in the ocean, it's everywhere. All right. And so I would see that as worse than collision. Because in collision, you know who's responsible, you know where to send the cleanup, you mm. can do something about it. There's a shipwreck that you can handle. When it's just pollution, it's ubiquitous. Mm. And that's exactly what we, what we see with the, with the data on pornography. It's everywhere. Mm. And even when there's no collision, the cancer has seeped into the bone marrow of the very church. I mean, if the data's right, we have, what, 60% of pastors mm -hmm. are actively using pornography? Mm. The, the leadership of the church. So it's no wonder that we have over 97% of people regularly using pornography. Mm. And we're not talking about somebody that has just experienced it. We're talking about regularity. Yeah. This is the diet. Right. And when you have numbers like that, and, it's, and, and the numbers are proven, I think, in the way our culture looks, you know, there's a big upswing right now on the hashtag MeToo stuff. Mm -hmm. And so women telling their stories, and you know, outing the bad guys in Hollywood or the bad guys in politics. I like that. I like that that's happening. However, we, we can't be surprised. Right, yeah. It doesn't shock me at all one bit. If everybody, even the people dropping the hashtags, if everybody's using pornography at home, what do you think is gonna happen when you go to the office right. or school or church? Right. And Jesus, uh, Dallas Willard, my mentor of all mentors, uh, biggest, biggest spiritual influence in my life, when he's, when he's uh, teaching about, about Jesus' statement that if you've, if you've even looked on a woman with lust in your heart, mm -hmm. you've committed adultery. He says, what we learn from Jesus' ethic is that a thief is not necessarily somebody who has stolen. A thief is just somebody who would. And so the same is true with an adulterer. If the posture of your heart is such mm. that given the opportunity, you would. The intent, right? Yeah. All the violence that would occur if you had, you're already doing that in your life. Yeah. It's just instead of one lacerating wound, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm. One of my friends, one of my old roommates, he uh, he went into a, a, a doctoral a doctoral program, and he had a crisis of faith coming coming up against some of the case studies that were in their curriculum. One of the stories, I think, the guy was from England. 50 or 60 years ago, mm -hmm. had a great reputation, known as a family man. Everybody loved him, faithful to his wife, good to his kids, good, good Norman Rockwell painting kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And then he had some kind of a brain injury and they had to do a partial lobotomy on him. And after that, the guy was just a cad. Mm -hmm. Womanizer, had, had no moral inhibitions whatsoever after that. And it was like a night and day, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of a transformation. Really? Wow. And my buddy was looking at that going, how, how can that happen? Yeah. If there's anything like our spirit, if there's anything right. metaphysical about us, how can a brain injury change him that badly? Hmm. And that was the thing that, that wrecked his relationship with God for a long time. Right. My friend's relationship. And uh, I've, I've had a similar experience with a different impetus. It, that, that wasn't the thing that wrecked me, but it was the thing that wrecked him. Yeah. So I was familiar with the dark night of the soul. I knew what angst was in him. Um, so just sat in it with him. And it was one of those things that stayed in the hopper for years. Mm -hmm. You didn't have any clever answer right away. Just, 
you know, sat with my buddy, shared the pain. After sitting on it for a while, eventually that Dallas Willard wisdom came out. And just, we can't judge this guy, we don't know him. We're not going to get the rest of the story till glory. But it's not hard to imagine that that guy had the trappings of a good family man, but inside was concealing the secret life of fantasy his entire life. Mm. And just never had the courage to act out on it. Right. So he might not actually have been a good man. Mm. He might not have been conducting himself in virtue in his heart. He was just afraid of the consequences if he had gotten caught. Wow. And then, let's it's just entertain right the possibility yeah. that what this brain injury did was just remove his inhibitions. Mm. Which is what happens you know, if you drink too much alcohol. Your inhibitions are removed. It doesn't change who you are. It just changes your level of self-control. Right. Or as the proverb goes, in goes the wine, out comes a secret. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. The wine didn't bring out some truth that wasn't there before. Mm. You know? Right. It just removed your inhibitions. It was there, yeah. And so this brain injury rattled this guy in, in such a way that that was always there. Mm. He just stopped caring and became brave in a wicked way. Mm. And that's one of the things that, that gets me about pornography when guys are doing this stuff on the reg. They're really just cowards because mm. they lack the courage to commit a straight adultery. They lack the, cor- they lack the, the courage and the constitution Make to go real. encounter a real woman wow. and face the consequences. Mm. Pornography is adultery all the way through. Mm. It's just a coward's adultery. Mm. And so I think that that makes it a more compounded sin than straight sex with a real woman that's not your wife. Right. Wow. Yeah, and I think... <clears throat> I mean, as we deal with uh, men on a regular basis who, who come, um, yeah, that, that's hard to hear, but I think it's necessary to hear. And I think that re- that'll resonate with somebody um, who's been struggling with this. And, and yeah, it's, um, that's a heavy statement. And Did I, and I upset you? No, no, no. And, and I think you're right. Yeah, I'm just thinking about for the man sitting in his bedroom listening to this, uh, being called a coward. Yeah. Don't know you, and yeah. it's unlikely we'll ever meet. So my rule with people versus culture, if you and I were sitting talking about pornography, I'm going to be very gentle with you. I'm going to be very heavy-handed mm-hmm. with culture. And so if you were getting on the level with me about sins you were struggling with, there's going to be a moment of, well, you know, you're not supposed to do that. But for the most part, I'm just going to listen to you. I'm going to be present to you. But pornography is the tyranny of our day. Mm -hmm. You know, for all the freedoms we live in, it's actually not too far removed from the kind of oppression that people in North Korea experience. Mm -hmm. The only difference is we have ready access to cable TV and air conditioning. Otherwise, virtually our entire culture... Mm -hmm is enslaved to really heinous manifestations of sexuality. Yeah. And it doesn't matter which consonant or vowel you put in front of your sexuality, that so many people are chained to pornography. Mm. They can't function without it. They can't think straight. How many people can't get aroused mm. without it? It's like 30%, yeah, of they the men today They have a real person in front of ED, them. ED, yeah. And so here's the woman, the thing that you've been lusting after. Right. And because you've been getting busy with a screen for so long, you can't even function with a real life woman. Mm. What part of that 
can you rationalize as healthy or yeah, okay? Yeah. Or as we started the conversation, mm. the morality that doesn't affect anybody. Right. Are you kidding me? You affected yourself so badly, you can't even get it up anymore. Right. And you're going to affect this sexual partner that you can't even enjoy. No, yeah. It affects everybody. Yeah. The insulation does not exist for the sin. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's time to call, it's time to call it what it is. And, you know, the damage of what's being done because, yeah, I mean, most men that I speak to live in this fantasy world that it's okay. It's not affecting anyone. I can do this. It's norm. It's the norm of culture today. Yeah. I would be weird if I didn't do it. Or the way guys will talk about it as if it is a mark of masculinity. Yeah. The yeah, jokes even, they sling about porn. Even further. if you were one of those guys, if you were one of those guys that's joking about pornography because it makes you tough, it doesn't. You are the least of all kinds of men. Mm. There's nothing manly about it. Absolutely. Now the guy that might be having his feelings hurt about me calling him a coward, right? We want to return to him for a second. Mm. Uh, if you feel guilty about that, that's good. If you feel shame about that, that's good. The hope is that you don't have to stay there. Right. And that's the story we have. There's, there's the part two. Right. For a moment, you do need to descend below what Francis Schaeffer calls the, the line of desperation, mm -hmm. right? You do need to feel absolutely desperate. Yeah. And like, it, I might as well die. You need to come to that kind of desperation. But in comes Jesus, in comes the gospel, the kingdom. Right. The better life is available. And so you don't have to stay a coward. Right. Real courage is available when you follow Jesus. Yeah. yeah. The strength to be a, a, a powerful man for the women that need it. Yeah, and I think it, well, it is important for men to come to that place to realize that this is the... This is the way to my depravity. This is the way to the sin in which I'm partaking. And this is the reality. I cannot shake it. And I think most men who come through uh, proven men, who start proven men, uh, that's the place that they come. Um, you know, I, we get a lot of flack a lot of times for uh, 12 weeks. You're going to invite somebody in for 12 weeks as a, for the first step. Like that's a pretty, that's a, that's a pretty heavy first step. And I'm going really, if a heavy first step is asking a gentleman to, spend 30 minutes a day with his creator who he claims to know and love, then I don't, like, there shouldn't be a lighter step. Like, this is just basic, foundational Christianity to come to the truth of who you are yeah. and to find the true you in Christ um, and in him and him in you. And I, and I think... Uh, I think that's what, you know, not to make a pitch, but I think that's what stands out amongst um, proven men of their other books or material is it's not about making a better you. It's not about being a better person. Uh, it's about uh, taking on a different person, uh, if you will. Mm. Mm. I think we could get caught in that one for a while. Yeah. Teasing out the nuances of that language. Yeah. Um, do you find it acceptable if I refer to it as becoming the person you know that you were meant to become. I like that language uh, in that my whole life has been geared towards uh, what I've always called the, my own Uberman. Um, mm -hmm. I've always had an image of who I've wanted to be in Christ. And now, so listening from you, I'll steal it. And I have stolen it. So like watching Whaler listen is, um, is something that I want to, like I see like myself in the future becoming right and um the the pragmatic nick of you know the way that he can make somebody feel really cared for and, and i don't think it's an act like he, he can make you feel really cared for 
and but then have you understand his position and be able to walk through that mm-hmm. um, and multiple mentors in my life I've kind of modeled after through this I don't know Uberman isn't probably the best uh, analogy but this concept of um, yeah I like that and I have the same thing yeah I've, I've had the same thing since I was 15 or so mm-hmm. struggled for over 20 years to find a mentor mm-hmm. that could inhabit that role and so absent one figure I could look to, I built out what I called the composite picture of masculinity. Yeah. And it was just a collage of those kinds of characteristics filling out my imagination. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it may as well have been an actual piece of poster board on the ceiling over my bed. Really? You know, before going to bed at night, I could look up and I could see the collage. I could see the mosaic so of all these different pictures of men making up the face of Jesus in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, using imagination to click on ourselves is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a staggering notion, however, to think that whatever mosaic we fill out is just a shade of his actual image in our lives. Yeah, and I think that's why taking on him, taking him in my life is the necessary point of the gospel, is that without Christ I am an utterly terrible person. My mm-hmm. wife and I were having that conversation just last night of, you know, where are my emotions at? Where am I, where am I at? How's my heart is a question that we ask mm-hmm. each other regularly. And the answer yesterday is just like discipline wise, I've just been lacking mm-hmm. and it's made me a frustrated person. Um, it's, you know, it's gotten me angry about stupid things and the realization of like, I suck without Jesus, like without like daily communion with him and him with me, I'm just a terrible person as I pursue this uh, slight, you know, vague, just a mirror image of who Christ actually was. Agreed. And yet there's just a slight, I think, hope-giving qualification that we have his own breath in us Mm -hmm. by by nature of our very creation. Right. And so he didn't make us up of detritus. Mm Mm-hmm. He put really good stuff in us. Yeah. And then we spoiled it. Right. But to think that inherently in our bones, in our spirits, there's this primeval God spark. Like, that's a wonderful thing. Mm. And to think that we get to fan that into flame, and it takes on a very peculiar identity because we are uniquely bearing his image, each one of us. That's good. And it's the, I, I, I kick a little bit against the warm theologies. Explain that. Uh, Makes you feel good theologies. Is that what you're? you're the opposite. Oh, okay. So the warm theologies. You know, no matter what you do, you're always going to be uh, an awful creature. Yeah. And Jesus's name might be on you, but you're just barely okay because he said so. And without getting all the way deep into doctrine and justification and the rest of it, God does not create ugly things. Mm-hmm. You know what do we see in at the end of every day in creation? It's good. And then when he's finished creating man and then separates the Ish and the Isha from the Adon creature, and then we have man and woman, it's very good. Yeah. You know, with, with the separation of the two, with, the, with the, the, the man and the woman coming together and becoming one Adom again, it's very good. Right. And so we are beautiful creatures. And there's, uh, it, the, the warm theologies only tell a part of the truth. Right. And they emphasize it as well, they, if it's all the truth. Right. Yeah. 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 And I would agree to that. Yeah. And, and yeah, I suck, the phrase I suck without Jesus mm-hmm. misses the point that Jesus didn't create suck. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's good. Yeah. That's really good. So uh, getting back to the conversation of morality, I, 
I want to hear your take of why why are we here today? Why are we having that conversation uh, in our culture today of why right I, and I heard this as a kid, you know, the big issue of 9/11 was that uh, you know, for this radical Islam group, their truth had affected our truth in such a way that they killed thousands of people in 9-11, right? So, so the issue was not their belief or, you know, that the entire Western world um, should pay and should die, but rather the fact that that actually occurred. And so why are we here today listening to a video where a lady says, well, as long as, as, long as nobody's affected, what's the big deal? What does it matter? Let him live his life. Let her, let her live her life as she wishes. Um, Oh, What's your take on that? How did we get here? Yeah, that, yeah, not like here in the podcast, but right, yeah. yeah, here in culture. I, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you familiar with the Benedict Option, Rod Dreher's book? I'm not. It is a divisive book in that people seem to love it or hate it. Hmm. I haven't met anybody that's been indifferent to it yet. It's creating some ripples in the culture of the church, and it's because he draws some very hard lines and he, he slaughters a lot of sacred cows. Mm. And he goes head-on against Christianity and politics. He does it with technology. He goes heavy on sexuality. Man, and, and that, I, I thought I knew some things about how bad the pandemic of pornography was, and then the, the data and the statistics in that chapter just messed me up all over again. Yeah. It's bad. Mm. And so in the beginning of the book, he does a very brief historical survey going all the way back, I think, to the fourth century and then plays out what happens over 16, 1700 years. What were the four or five pillars mm. knocked out in Western thinking that resulted in what we have today? If you feel it, go with it. And, mm. and he, he called it a, a therapeutic moral deism. Mm. I think that they, I've heard that term. They actually have term. a religion now in yeah. the DSM five book that they refer to, oh, oh, you're, you're a therapeutic moral deist. And so if somebody can just neutrally assent to this idea that there is something like a God in the universe, maybe the universe itself is, is God, you know, there's benevolent intention out there in the ether. And the only reason this entity exists is to make us feel good. Mm. And so the only aim like that hipster religion has is yeah. to be happy. Yeah. Very little in the way of responsibility, nothing in the way of discipline or diligence. Mm. And who you are is already good enough. You just got to learn to manage your feelings so you can be as happy as you can possibly be. Mm. And so the therapeutic moral, moral deism looks at God as if he or she, whatever they're going to refer to him, you know, it, which is funny that for all the gender pronoun talk today, that nobody wants to uh, interact with God's preferred gender pronoun. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he doesn't get to have a preference, but everybody else does, right, including right. the white man that's now a Filipino woman. Right. You know? So it's just a, a funny aside. And that doesn't even get into the conversation about divine femininity, mm. which is a good and holy thing in and of itself. So stepping back yeah. to the point we're supposed to be talking about, <laughs> yeah. looking at God as if he's just the butler on call. Yeah. So that, oh, you feel sad? Ring the bell, he's going to show up and you're going to be all right. And then you don't have to have anything more to do with him. Mm. The therapy's over. Yeah. And your morality is whatever maintains your happiness. That's what we have now. And it's because there's nothing left. There's no rational, no rational thought that remains anymore. Mm. I mean, I saw uh, just yesterday 
the video has been out for a long time. Ben Shapiro's video with Prager University. Yeah. Facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah. Great video. Yeah. And he doesn't do anything but just talk about facts. Yeah. It's now a restricted video on YouTube. Yeah. There's nothing offensive in it. Yeah. There's no swearing. There's no nudity. Yeah. There's no illusion, any such things. And it's a restricted video. Yeah. Because there's enough people that are butthurt about the fact that they have to kind of check their feelings in the face of truth. Mm. And so, and, and yet pornography gets a free pass. You know? Right. This video is restricted. Yeah. And yet you have some really heinous things on YouTube that, that get that pass, which is, we, we're flying upside down. Mm. You know, we don't have any beacon to navigate by. Mm. So you're in the dark, you don't know how to read your instruments. What do you expect? Or if we go back to the ship analogy, people don't know how to read the horizon. They forgot how to, how to, how to use the sextant and, and read the stars and orient themselves. And yeah. so we just have nothing but shipwrecks yeah. all over the place. Yeah, and the third point to C.S. Lewis is we have to be headed in the right direction, right? Yeah. Or, or a direction, because if we're going to land, if the plane is landing in New York, but we end in Florida, then we've missed the mark on morality. And I think today's culture and relative truth, it with religion, with therapeutic deism, with no religion at all, with atheists, you know, we're all going our own way and it, that's okay, right? Well, the problem with that is as a culture, as a nation, as a, a entire world today, we're all heading in different directions, running into each other is inevitable. That's just inevitable. Mm -hmm. And we haven't made the destination if we don't make the destination to the same spot, to the desired outcome, yeah. um, which is his point. And those baseless moralities are not even consistent within their inconsistencies. Right. And so, yeah, two examples. One is the ugly Fifty Shades of Grey culture. Mm. The mommy porn. Sells like freaking hotcakes. And then, for all the people that are reading it, there's this other BDSM culture that's complaining about it, that it's not portrayed properly. And so... Their contention is not that the sexuality is violent, mm. but that they didn't portray it right. Mm. That's an argument. Right. That's an argument that has people in a tizzy. It bends my mind. How did those words even leave your mouth? Right. Like, how do you get past thinking that thought and then actually saying it and you don't hear how ugly it sounds? Yeah. How discordant you are in your own person. Yeah. The other example is... Uh, uh, one of my buddies sent me a link to some weird stuff. There's a reality TV show in the UK where a hip hop artist, Genuine, is you familiar with Genuine? Well, I know this video, yeah. You do? Yeah. I haven't seen the video, I just read some of the transcripts. Yeah. So yeah, he, he gets called out because uh, a trans lady, so used to be a man, transitioned, however, now a lady, right? Mm. And she's turning the screws on him asking, would you ever date a transgender lady? And he says, no, probably not. And now everybody's in a tizzy mm. about his unwillingness to date trans women. So not only That's are we expected... Uh, she asked him to kiss. Yeah, she, and she yeah. starts leaning in. You yeah, know, how about a kiss? Off, yeah. yeah. So like he has to kiss her? Yeah, he's forced into that. Yeah, and like yeah. in what other context would that work? Right. If a man had just leaned in on a girl. Yeah, hashtag me too. Dude? Exactly. <laughs> right. Does Genuine get to drop the hashtag now? Right, right. You know? No, right. he doesn't. Yeah. Because it's lunacy. Yeah. Not only do you have to endorse their their identity, mm -hmm. but you also have to be turned on by it. Mm. You have to find yourself sexually aroused by their transition. Yeah, wow. 
I mean, what kind of craziness is that? Right. So it's not even a matter anymore. Like they've been arguing for so long that it's just civil rights. Just let us live our lives. If we want to marry, let us marry. If we want to transition, let us transition. No. The culture is in uproar about the fact that this guy doesn't want to make out with somebody. Yeah. But you turn it around the other way. Yeah. If a man was going to, oh, come on, you're not turned down, baby. What's the matter? You don't like straight guys? Yeah. Like, let's just get it. Let's have a kiss. He yeah. wouldn't get out of the building before he was castrated. No I kidding. mean, that guy would yeah. not survive that encounter. Yeah. He would lose his job. Yeah. And, and whatever else. Yeah. 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 And that's the culture of our day. Mm. And so it, go get the Benedict option. Even if you don't like all his conclusions, the first chapter is just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Because even if you don't enjoy history, he condenses it so succinctly that you get to see in a pretty short amount of time what has happened yeah. in, in the course of over a thousand years. Yeah. And so just getting that lens, you know, what were the things that used to identify how we oriented ourselves in creation? Mm -hmm. How closely did we consider ourselves to God? Mm -hmm. What was his influence in humanity? The tie-in of politics and church and home life and all the rest of it. And what, what you get is, is it's not one political candidate. Yeah. And this is what the kind of arguments you see in the church nowadays, or at least the church of Facebook. Yeah. You know, people will, will fight back and forth if their guy was the president or if we could just win this state back. That would fix everything. Yeah. And we lost that battle a long time ago, yeah. <laughs> a long, long time ago. Yeah. The church is not going to find salvation in politics. Yeah. And getting our guy in the White House or getting the majority in the Senate, that's not going to change it at all because it was centuries ago we were already on this path. Right. Yeah. We're looking for government to fulfill what the church is supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. This call for morality. Yeah. My way of paring it all down, the, the history that Dreher gives us. The tree, died, the tree died a long time ago. Yeah. We've only recently seen it wither. Yeah. But it's been lifeless for a long time. A long time. So now we're seeing the real innate ugliness. Mm. And there's not even any moisture left in the thing. And I, and, and I take that similar stance with the church on pornography. Like when the sexual revolution happened, well, when Marcuse wrote his Eros and Civilization in 1961, and the sexual revolution took on this whole power in 19, I think, believe 63, Playboy started. And the church didn't have this answer, why morality matters, right? Like they, they took um, traditional thought and morality and made it look ugly and terrible and cold and mold-ridden and old. Um, hmm. And that was the means by which the sexual revolution came. Um, right. Shortly after that, you have pornography where you can go to the newsstand and get your magazine where people were experiencing the sexual revolution. I can, ex I can feel, I can go. And the church didn't have, well, and maybe not all churches everywhere, church as a whole didn't step into that culture well, well enough to be able to answer the call of why, why response, like taking care of yourself, why not just living freely, right? Timothy Keller has a quote that a fish is not truly free outside of the confines of water, mm -hmm. right? You take that fish out of water and now he's suffocating, right? So the sexual revolution will actually, mm. will actually create this, this world where you will die. Um, and, I, and I feel, I mean, that quote alone, I've, I've quoted it to a lot of people in my life where freedom may actually kill you. Like your, your call to freedom may actually kill you. Yeah. And that leads me to my, you, you and I have had a similar conversation about American culture and what we're taught at a young age, rights versus responsibilities. Will you walk them through that thought? Because it's this has radically changed the way that I view um, 
myself in, as a Christian within American culture. And, and for me, grown in backwoods Virginia, separating the two um, mm. has been a hard, uh, a hard climb. It's been a hard thing. Right? I grew up in a house where like, if you want my guns, you can come and get them. Yeah. But that's a hill to die on. I, like, right? like I grew up in a home where that, you will kill me before you can come in my house and tell me I can't have guns. Right. And so learning Christianity inside this context has been really hard for me to strip away. And I think I'm finding on a regular basis. So I think, um, yeah, yeah. If you can walk us through that, that'd be great. All right. Well, at the knee of all of our school moms, we learn how we were really, really brave hundreds of years ago. And we stood up against the tyranny of the English we drafted a document that the world had been waiting for for ages. Mm -hmm. We have the Bill of Rights, we have the Constitution, and now there's this great shining city on a hill, America, and all of its freedom. Mm. The Bible can finally roam free across the land. Yeah. I am glad that we live here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that we enjoy freedoms that would have bent Paul's mind in yeah. half. I think if Paul saw the kind of technology that we have available to us and our freedom to interact with it. I think it would have just bent his mind in half that we have that many access points to dissemination of the gospel mm -hmm. and networking and distribution. And, you know, Nick and I were talking earlier that, and another thing from the Benedict option, in a week, you can go to Amazon, you can order some books, and in a week's time, Two you days. can have a library that would have made Augustine and Athanasius drool. Yeah. We have that stuff at our fingertips today. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing. And so I don't want to be the guy that doesn't do anything but defame and discredit America. Right, right. However, it is in our formative makeup to think about our rights before we think about anything else. Hmm. So that it's hard to talk about healthcare to any degree because you have one group of people arguing about their interpretation of their rights and another group of people arguing about their interpretation of their rights and their rights are colliding with each other mm. and which one is more right. And so it always goes back and forth. And same thing with gun control, and same thing with abortion. You pick any issue and you always have two camps arguing about whose rights are more right. Mm. And that's what makes us tick. That's how Americans operate. We can't think without considering our rights first because that's our training from really, really little years. Whereas a little Jewish boy is going to grow up thinking about his responsibilities. He's going to be trained in his responsibilities. His first duty is to his family and then to his synagogue and then to the larger culture and everything that he does matters to all of them. And you think about just the, the moral fortitude mm. of the Jewish people that they could still exist at all after the many attempted genocides the Holocaust being just the most recent of them. Right. They are still a people. Yeah. They still have cultural memory. Yeah. And now they have a nation state again. But even when they didn't have Israel for a long time, they still had an identity hmm. because they were people functioning on their responsibilities. And when the bar mitzvah comes around or the bat mitzvah for the girls, that 13-year-old is then told, and now you are morally responsible for yourself. Hmm. You were born into the covenant-keeping people of God. Now you are your own covenant-keeping person. Mm. Go and do well. And so that difference mm. in how you wake up, yeah, how you go to sleep, yeah, 
what you're thinking about across the dinner table. Yeah. If what it's I've your responsibilities yeah. or if it's your rights that are motivating your behavior, it's going to look a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. And so That's if good. you played that out in politics yeah. and you have the left wing interpretation of healthcare and the right wing take on healthcare, if they were engaging that dialogue in the light of their responsibilities to each other, it would change, it would radically change the conversation. And even as I say that, I know there's gonna be people in a tizzy going, oh no, that's exactly what we're doing, and they're gonna start shaking their jowls again, but they're not. You, you can't get in a tizzy when you talk about responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> people get in a tizzy when you step on their lawn. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you accost their personal deity, yeah. you know, then you've offended their rights. You haven't offended their responsibilities. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that conversation has been playing out in my subconscious ever since we had that, mm. of, of watching that play out just in my own personal walk, in my own personal life. Yeah, and I love, right, like I think, I'm so thankful that I was born in America. Mm -hmm. But there's things as the, as I was uh, reborn into the family of God and into the nation that is ruled by Jesus, that I am, that's my hill to die on. Um, yeah, that's rather than uh, in my responsibilities um, to that people, to that people group, thinking of the church less like the 470 some here in Lynchburg, but rather the people who are moving and are living out in the daily walk um, as they eat, as they drink, as they um, try to look more like him as they, yeah, I, going back to the original conversation or earlier conversation, um, being a part of that people uh, should motivate actions more, more so than uh, I grew up in the United States of A. Um, yeah. So, and um, I had forgotten that we had another, you know, talking point that's at the head of all these things. But if we take rights and responsibilities back to the first question, yeah, why does morality matter even if nobody else is affected? And I discredit that premise. Hmm. Why does morality matter? You take a guy in his whatever a dude's you know liturgy of masturbation looks like, like however he gets himself into that mood. I think everybody is being informed by their rights mm. going into that dark corner backlit by their LED screen. You know, they, they have a right to feel alive, mm. to experience pleasure, to know the taste of a woman, you know, they have this right yeah. to have this experience in their dark corner. Yeah. Find me a person that is going to justify their position on pornography in the language of responsibility. Mm. It would be the most ridiculous treatise ever written. Yeah. It doesn't have any meaning. Yeah. You can't do it. You cannot talk about responsible pornography. Mm. And you cannot be a responsible pornographer. Mm. It's impossible. Mm. That's good. Uh, that's really good. A lot to think about. Um, so we're, we're calling the subtitle of this podcast Conversations for the Intentional. And the intention is um, that we would be able to create conversations for leaders to be able to have with men in their culture, with men in their church, um, to be able to kind of ground them in some basic arguments. And I think this podcast did that today. It definitely has in my life in the past. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming. Last question though. Hmm. Uh, you don't know about this. This is new, but, uh, what is one beverage you could 
but would not want to live without. And I put that caveat because you're like, I, I knew that you were going to be like, I'm not tied to any beverage. I can turn it down anytime I want. So you could turn it down, but you would not want to do that. What is that? Oh. Uh, can I list a few and then we pair them down? Sure. Because it's difficult. <laughs> okay. Even with music or yeah, yeah. What, anything, it's it, it usually like, ah, there's like five. So <laughs> if there's a least favorite of favorites in this weird category. Yeah, I think Brian Regan has a, yeah. This yeah. is my favorite favorite. My yeah. favorite favorite. <laughs> yeah. Great. Grape is my favorite. Um, not snow cones. Yeah. So we'll skate past that. <laughs> Brian Regan snow cones are not in that category. Yeah. I don't miss those much in yeah. childhood. Me neither. So we're drinking coffee. Let's just go ahead and hit that. Coffee, the dark hollow stout. Okay. That's, that's definitely close to the blood type. Johnny Walker Blue Label. Okay. Yeah, I put that in there. Chocolate milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we went from like adult beverages, coffee, beer, whiskey, and then uh, and then chocolate milk. I like chocolate milk. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you get to surprise me with a question, I'm gonna surprise you with a question. No, that's good. Okay. 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 All right. Hmm. What is your signature move in Muay Thai? What am I most comfortable with or what do I like to think I, I can sort of well? What makes you look and feel the most ninja? Uh, my left, well, it, it's a combo. Mm. Uh, and I throw it literally all the time. I won't tell you all of it because that would defeat the purpose of having a, a combo, a go-to combo. But my left hook is pretty strong. Nice. Um, are you a southpaw or are you a, a standard? Standard, okay. yeah. And I love hitting the body and then coming up, back up top. A little head body head? Yeah. So, and, and there's a combo that I've learned from Damien Trainer, who's a magician when it comes to Muay Thai. Uh, and hmm. that's where I learned it from. And that's something that I always practice. Um, but yeah, that left hook is the key to putting somebody down. So... So to be clear, you're not telling me the combo because you want it to remain tucked in your sleeve <laughs> yeah. in case we actually case, go to the mattress. No, 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 no. In case anybody here, oh, you know, so we you're got, about them. I've got a lot of guys out there, you know, yeah. that I would, I would like to throw the combo on. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, just for time's sake, I guess I'll just keep it tucked away. But yeah, I don't know who's going to watch this. Maybe someday I have to pull it out. It might be your future nemesis. It may, they may be watching. The guy in your forthcoming cage fight. Yeah. Whenever that happens. Yeah, he may watch all my videos. And, right. Yeah, find out. I'm going to watch all 45 minutes of this interview. <laughs> I'm going to get to Muay Thai eventually. I'm sure it's going to come up, his combo. Got the secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. So uh, with that, we'll end. Uh, thanks, Whaler, for joining us today. Um, Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, and we've enjoyed um, doing this. Guys, be aware that there will be one next month. I do not know the topic yet. If you have any ideas, you can email me uh, with a subject line podcast at marshall at Um Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it uh, and have a good one.